Wednesday, October 13th, 2021. This is Messiah Matters number 361. I'm downsizing my library. It's a sad day. My name is Caleb Haig. Oh, sorry. Distracted as usual. Dude, where you Get your I'm head in the game. <laughs> get your head in the game, bro. What's going on, man? I was hypnotized by the music. I'm just like... I was more following the groove than you're talking, so I missed the cue. <laughs> you can tell we're professionals here, people. This hey. is a professional. <laughs> professional <Production>. what? <laughs> you fellas have nothing to worry about. I'm a professional. Professional <laughs> what? All right. Uh, so a lot is going on. A lot. Right now, actually, we have... Uh, I got a... Um, user credit up and I would encourage everyone to go check it out. You can find the link in our um in our well in the chat room right now. The chat has a link to it. You can also find it by going to Torah Resource. Actually it's kind of weird how it works. Go to Torah Resource, go down to Messiah Matters. Actually in the drop down under resources go down to Messiah Matters. Click on that and then actually it'll take you to a different site. Click on executive producer and it'll take you back. Anyway, all of that to say the reason why is because Reformation Day is coming up, October 31st, right? Right? That's right. right. And uh, basically what's going on is, oops, wrong one. Sorry, guys. Here's our producers. Um, basically what's going on is is our our graphic artist slash uh, person who keeps us, you know, together is, uh, is Mike. And Mike created a wonderful... A wonderful new mug for us. It's uh, it's supposed to look like, and it does look like, the Kentucky Fried Chicken <laughs> label. However, <laughs> the kernel's not I there. I like it. It's so good. It's so good. Um, yeah. So I'd encourage everybody go go buy yourself a mug. Yeah. It, it might it might seem a little expensive, but you know what? It's helping us out and and keeping this show going. So we are grateful for for that as well. All right. We got a good showing in the uh, chat room already, uh, and the numbers keep growing, which is always good. So, uh, yeah. Hi, everyone in the chat room. Welcome. We're excited to be here. Okay. What's going on with you, man? How's life? Um, well, as you know, I, my wife and I chatted and prayed, and we decided that I'm going to stay home from SBL this year, which, as you know, I was torn about, but... The situation where there's just with we recently had that COVID bout that kind of knocked us out for three weeks and we're yeah, the schedule of our fall is kind of behind. So it was just like making that decision was like, yeah, I think that's that's the right thing. And so so I'm bummed that I'm gonna miss out. However, I still I will I still have enough fun for both of us. So yeah, thank whatever. you. Um you guys will have a blast and it'll be awesome. Uh Thankfully, I still will be giving my presentations at SBL, two of them. They'll just be virtual, which is kind of weird. But uh, it's that's half of SBL's virtual this year anyway. So um, anyway, but so, so I've, I'm feeling I feel kind of like because that decision kind of was just made in the last few days. And so I'm it's 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 OK, but I'm still going. Ah. Yeah, you should be. Because what about you? What about your life? Your life has more. Uh, yeah, we got a lot going more on. More significant. I'm trying. I'm trying to drywall right now. So anybody in the chat room who wants to come out to Washington State and help me uh, drywall, then tape and mud, come on out. Uh, it it sucks. I and not only that, but I don't really have the money to do it. So it's interesting trying to do it on a shoestring. Um, and, right, and, and building material costs. Of, I'll tell you what. Up. I'll tell you what. How's about this? If you want to help me out. If you want to help me out, you go ahead and shoot me an email because I'm selling right now. I'm trying to, I said I was downsizing my library. I am. I got duplicates of some really interesting things, including, but not limited to, including a duplicate copy of uh, Calvin's entire commentary on the Bible, 22 volumes, hardbound, very nice, it's very nice. <laughs> Now, I found them going for, they, they usually go for around $900 to $1,000. Wow! Right now, if you if you email me, I got I got the whole thing four hundred and fifty bucks, or best offer, or best offer. Buy it for someone for Reformation Day as a present, 
Can you imagine hey. having this uniform 22 volume set of Calvin like on the that. shelf? It's, it's very nice. It's very nice. Or, 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 why don't you uh, purchase my entire 22 volume set of Kylan Dalich uh, 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 commentary on the Old Testament? 150 bucks. Or, uh, I do have a uh, Encyclopedia Judaica as well. Uh, it's the it's the first edition. And by that, I don't even know how many volumes. I think it's sixteen volumes or something like that's that. That's a that's a shipment. You'd need to have it send a truck. <laughs> it's large. There's no doubt about it. A three hundred fifty dollars. So I'll tell you what. See HagatorahResource dot com. Come on, somebody, somebody, show some love. You not only build, will, build not, a library, build and, a library, and, and, and help and, and help me mud and, and tape uh, in my walls. <laughs> okay. Um, I'll, that's not a joke. I was going to say all joking aside, all serious, uh, con content about my walls aside, uh, here are, is how you can get a hold of us. 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. You can also shoot us an email as I just mentioned, and you can shoot me. This is my personal email address. C at torresource.com. C H E G G at torresource.com. And of course we already have mentioned torresource.com. Go to torresource for all sorts of Great stuff. Paul Archer says, "Go fund me for Caleb." Uh, no, I don't need. I don't need handouts. Okay, okay. I will. I will give people good things for. Uh, you know, for for equal equal give equal return. Right. I, I actually think that the prices for the book series that I'm trying to sell are actually good prices. I really do. Um. So anyway. If somebody wants some good books, and not only that, but here's the other thing. Here's the real reason that I'm selling the books. It's not even to, to pay for my office. It's actually because my office is not big enough for the library that I have. So I have to downsize. And the truth is, is that these are all duplicates. I already have Calvin's entire commentary uh, and in book form as well. So I have two copies of the whole thing. I also have... Uh, I also have Kyle and Dalich, the entire series, and I also have two, I have the I have the first edition and the second edition of the Encyclopedia Judaica, and I have a duplicate of the first edition. So it's not like I'm actually, yeah. Anyway, that's that's what it is. Okay. Well, see, everybody in the uh, in the chat room is already um, stealing our thunder. Pop culture renaissance says, isn't the whole purpose of a Christian life to fear God and keep his commandments? Yeah, Ecclesiastes 2. That, I mean, literally when people say, what was the purpose of life? Well, that's, that's it, Ecclesiastes 12, right? The, the, uh, the point when all has been said, fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Yep. All right, show's done. Let's go. No, I'm playing. Right. I'm playing. We'll, we'll keep going. Okay. Now that we've told you how to get a hold of us, we've told you to buy my books. Let's actually get to it. Rosie writes in, she says, this is from a couple weeks ago, by the way. She says, I listened to last week's program, but still do not understand Rosh Hashanah. You said, and I don't know why people had such a hard time with this, but apparently they did because we've gotten numerous messages saying people didn't understand. Anyway, you said if it is the 50th year, then there is something new about the coming year. Yeah, it's the Yovel. It's when all of all of the property reverts back to the original owner and the slaves go free, right? But that's not the only time, right? Every seven or every yeah, every seventh year we have a Sabbath year for the produce, right? We have uh you're supposed to you're supposed to let the land rest. If you come in and you take the land, you're supposed to let it rest for what what it was it, two or three years mm -hmm. before you plant. Well, when did that turn over? It wasn't in Nissan. It was right. It's in the fall. It's in the it's fall. In. So basically, the fact is, is that yeah, every fiftieth year is the jubilee year. But the point is, is that the the harvest new year or the the agricultural, let's call it that, the agricultural new year is in the seventh the seventh month, which is when Rosh Hashanah is. When that month flips over, that's the new agricultural year. Just like. Let me give you an example. When is our new year on the Gregorian calendar? It's on, uh, well, the new year starts on January 1st, right? New Year's Eve is December 31st. So you have a new year on January 1st. Well, when's the new school year? Everyone has a school year and it starts Usually in... Usually like back in late August, early September. Early September is when we start, right? So 
the the point is is that yes, we even in our current calendar today have at least two near New Year's. We have the calendar, and then, the, year. And then in terms of taxes, taxes, yeah. Uh, yeah. the uh, yeah April fifteenth. Fiscal, what do they call it? Yeah, there's a. Yeah, exactly. There's all sorts of different so we cycles. have we have several New Years on our calendar, right? And nobody seems to have a problem with that. But when as soon as you go to get to the biblical calendar and it has several New Years, then then everybody's up in arms. Oh, that's not the New Year. Yes, it is. It's the agricultural New Year. So that's the point: is that the seventh month on the uh, on the biblical calendar is the agricultural New Year. And that's why it's called Rosh Hashanah, not because of some pagan Babylonian New Year. That that's ridiculous. There's literally no evidence for that whatsoever. Yet people keep saying it, and it's frustrating. Anyway, she says, but what about every ordinary year? Is it uh, to be claimed as a New Year celebration along with Yom Teruah? Yes, it is. That's the answer. Yes, it is. Okay. And somebody in the chat room, Aaron says, fiscal starts on October first. Fiscal New Year. Okay. Let's go to, so I hope that that has answered the question. We're moving fast and that's okay. Let's move to our, we have a phone message. And if you would like to leave a phone message for us, you can do so. Follow the song. Oh yeah, here, here you go. Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-3205. There you go. Okay. Um, so let's take this down off my screen for right now. And then let's move to, hang on just a second. I'm trying to find my phone message. Here we go. Hi, this is Justin Wolpert, longtime listener, first time caller. Um, and after reading about all the sacrifices during the Festival of Sukkot, I kind of wondered um, what you guys think is going on with the amount of bulls. Like, I don't think you've discussed this yet, but. I mean, it kind of seems like they're counting down. Do you think they're counting down to like the last great day on the like right after the technical festival of Sukkot, or do you think it's something else? I'm not really sure. Um, and also, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever touched on um, like genres of music. Okay, hang on just a sec. He's going to go into a, to a so he's got two two points here. We'll listen to the second point here in just a few seconds. Um, for now, let's talk about the sacrifices at Sukkot. This is a really interesting question. I've actually written on this for our community for Alive and Messiah, um, and I got to dig it up somewhere. I actually, so for those who don't know, and I, I I'm going to get the numbers wrong. I forget. I think it count. Does it count down to fifty? Does it count down to twenty? I forget. Anyway, so no, it's thirteen to seven over seven days. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. That, so the yeah. question is, every day during Sukkot, there's there's a fixed uh, burnt offering like grain offering, et cetera, and a sin offering. Well, the the burnt offering for rams over seven days starts at 13 for day one, and then each day it's one less ram, or, or one, sorry, one less bull. Right. From Did 13 to ram? seven. Yeah, but, here, but here's the thing. Down is that, to seven, yeah. And which well, actually, 70. actually, no. It's down to 71 because on the eighth day there's one bull. No, down to seven, I mean. Down yeah, to yeah seven. But, but then on the, on the eighth day there's one bull. Right. So it goes, right. it, so it actually, it goes from 13 down to seven, then skips and goes to one. Hang on. We have to, we have to mention there's been a good size super chat in the chat room and Yashai uh, is the one who gave it. So we will give you some love here. Thank you very much for the super chat, Yashai. You've been blessed. Yes, you have been blessed. Thank you very much. Um, if you want a specific sound clip, let me know and I'll play it. Uh, okay, but back to the conversation. I think that the I think that the reason that you have the skip from so I don't know the reason for thirteen down to down to seven. And the rabbis say that it's seventy bulls for the seventy nations that are not Israel. That's what the rabbis say. I don't I don't think there's any evidence for that. So I haven't figured out the exact reason why it goes from 13 down to 7. I'm sure that there is a reason. God is not arbitrary. But with that said, I think the one the one bull on on day 8, I think that represents Yeshua because I think that the 8th day represents eternity. So 7 days in your in your normal calendar week, what happens? It starts over again. Right? So you go 7 and then it starts back over at 1. So mm-hmm. 8 represents eternity. 
it like it goes on. It's the only festival that has an eighth day. And so I think that one bull on the eighth day represents Yeshua and eternity. Thoughts? Sounds pretty good. I think <laughs> is that I think all one we got? Things, one of the things that I get the sense of, like I imagine each day with that during Sukkot, where it's a festival of joy, and you see each day there's a a smaller number of bulls. Boom, boom. To me, it I think it's a kind of a, a, a sense of refinement of like getting ready to enter the narrow gate. Right. Like in other words, there's a, there's a separation of God comes and He takes away the the wicked, right? He separates the chaff from the from the wheat, and that that that's the sense I get. It's like refining, and then like I agree, the eighth day there's just one lamb, and that's that or, or one uh, <laughs> one bull, and that is yeah the narrow gate. I mean, you it's it's. Uh, you come in as an individual. You enter the kingdom as an individual, not side by side with anybody else. You come in. Not because of your ethnic background. Not because of your ethnic background. That's a great y- point. Yeshua died for you personally. Right. Not for you and not for your group. And you just happen to be part of You got a lucky ticket to be part of that group. Right. right. So we enter the kingdom through the narrow gate. That The narrow gate, in my view, is, is one shoulder width wide. You go in as an individual, and you you can't blame, you can't pass the buck. It's you. We all have to stand before the it says the judgment seat of Christ. Great. And uh, so anyway, but but again, this is more of a midrashic reading. Um, but it, I think it's really cool that the Lord set this up for us to talk about and to meditate upon. Yeah, if you uh, got if you have uh, if you have a, a different understanding of of the thirteen to seven. And then the one bull, uh, you can either uh, email us or you can post it on our Facebook or on the comment section on this video. Okay, let's keep going with well, just oh, one other idea, though, Go too, for it. is that one, one thing that connects, Caleb, what you taught at uh, AIM and, and my view is that, um, yes, Yeshua dies for us individually, um, and but new creation. We, we become a new creation as an individual. I don't become born from above as a group, right. right? In the same way, it's like individual. And this gets back to last week's top topic of, of uh, particular redemption. Particular, yes, it's a nation. Yes, it's, a, it's composed of uh, all nations and tongues and tribes. And that's true. But every individual, I believe, was individually selected by the Father. Right. And is born has their own has a unique born from above uh, regeneration by the ruach. Yeah. All right. Um, so that's what I think about that. Okay, hang on just a sec. Let me get back to my because I want to finish. Oh yeah, Justin. we got Justin had another. Pro- hey, by the way, I don't know if Justin's in the thing uh, listening I, today, but thank I, you, Justin. Yeah, great. It's great, great to hear to, your voice. I've seen his comments. He comments on our stuff all the time, but right. it's great to hear his voice. Okay, here we go. We're going to continue with his message. Like genres of music, do you think there is any kind of music that would not be appropriate um, to play a worship song with? Um, so like. Typically, I think of like heavy, like really strong metal. I don't know, um, or other things. So just wondered if you had any thoughts on that. After doing some like really basic look at um, the scriptures and what kind of instruments would have been around in the first century, kind of seems like, and you know, before that, kind of seems like everybody was kind of using the same kinds of instruments. So, Okay, so there's a couple of things. Lots of drums. And if it sounds like... The Hoff goes off music, it's acceptable. <laughs> so, okay, so I don't know if Justin was around and listening back in the day, but back in the day, Rob and I had a little contest. Rob does this thing every once in a while where he gets really worked up and quite mad, and veins start to pop, and he and and he starts talking really fast, and you can't st- like you can't stop him, and we call it the Hoff goes off. Okay, and so we thought it would be really funny if we had uh, if we had the Hoff goes off music. So every time that Rob got to that point I could play the music and it would kind of give him the notion that he needed to maybe bring it down just a little bit and when I say a little bit I mean like a ton 
right? I've been pretty good the last couple of years. You've been I've, pretty good the past couple I've, of years. I've backed off. <laughs> so, so we did. That's what we did. We both we both created music for the Hoff goes off, and then we played them for each other without on air live. We played them for each other without hearing them first. Like I didn't hear Rob's. Rob didn't hear mine. Rob's was so good, but it was <laughs> it was like heavy metal. We need I to will, find the clip I where will you never, respond. I will never forget that because that was freaking hilarious. Anyway, the point is, is that uh, the reveal. Yeah, when when that happened, we had we had several people, not a lot, but several people that were like, "This is the devil's music," because it has a beat that is of the devil. Like these were legitimate comments. They were not joking. They were like, you know, this is this is satanic because of the beat. Okay, so we actually have talked about this, but it was a long time ago. So let's talk about it again. Uh, oh, Sean wants to hear it. He says, "Please play it." Okay, let's see if I have. Uh, <laughs> we need we need the one that you made. <laughs> the Hoff goes off here. Let's see if let's see if this is it. still just as good every time I hear it, man. That's Rob Van Hoff singing The Hoff Goes Off, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh, performing all parts, actually. Yeah, performing all parts, yes. Uh, yes, very good. Uh, so, anyway. <laughs> Dude, awesome. Anyway, that was like, what? What year? Was that, that eight was, years ago? No. That was season no, no, one? No, 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 no. That was like season three or four, I would say. Really? Okay, yeah. we need to. I have if a someone clip. could find I have the, a clip. The, of the original reveal, I want. I, ha- I have a clip that. of that. Oh, good. I have okay. a clip of it. I somewhere. I'll find it. We need to put it as a a short. Okay. On YouTube. I, it's on YouTube as a short. I'm I'm pretty oh, sure okay. it is. Okay, cool. I'll I'll, right. I'll find a link. I'll find a link okay. for you by next week. We'll have it. anyway. So all of that to say. <laughs> okay, back to Justin. Yeah. Yeah. So so the the question then at the time and the question now was was the music that Rob created satanic <laughs> because of the beat. And here is my now, or the high pitch screech, or the high pitch screech, right, right. Now here's the thing: is that uh, uh, several things on this. First of all, Justin says worship music, so specifically for worship. I think that it is my personal opinion. There is nowhere in the scripture that says that a certain beat is is evil. Or that a certain genre of music is evil. The content of the words that are in the music is actually what, because ultimately, what is it? Um, you know, back back when people were writing uh, classical music, I forget what composer it was, but he wrote in like a two-five time or something like that, and this was considered like you don't. Do, that was like the rock music of the time. Like you don't do that. It's that like that's that's you broke the rules. Yeah, you he broke the rules, and this was so. As culture progresses, we have a progression of not only genre of music, but we have a progression of of instruments that are played, right? So, for instance, today we have electric guitar. And back in, you know, uh, 200 years ago, there was no such thing as electric guitar. And so uh, the, the idea is, is that... And, Brandon in the chat room says definitely not a type of music that bring well like certain musics does bring feelings right yeah there's a physiological there's a physiological aspect to it but the point but the point here is that what gives us a different feeling today is no doubt going to be so when I hear classical music it tends to relax me but there are but people when that classical music was being written a certain kind of classical music would actually make them tense up. It, that doesn't happen for me. So once again, this comes back to the fact that culture changes how we react to certain things, how we're brought up in the music that we're around. You know, I know people who like love, and I mean love, like heavy metal kind of stuff because that's what they were, they, you know, their parents listened to it or whatever. Well, that's not. So it's like a cultural or condition a socialization or a cultural conditioning like right. yeah i used to listen yeah. when i was growing up i listened to pop punk that was like the thing like christian pop punk and there are people who would listen to that like to me that actually takes me back to my teen years which i definitely don't want to definitely <laughs> definitely don't want to be back in and actually i don't like those years of my life so it's not good memories but it brings up those nostalgic memories it's not you know 
the point, all of this to say that I don't think that there is a certain style or a certain beat or anything like that that is satanic. What I think is, is that there are certain, obviously the content, the words and, and the and the themes within the music are the things that I think will glorify or uh, or not glorify God. Now, with that said, when it comes to worship music, and this is going to be controversial, but I don't care. Um, when it comes to worship music, I think that culture dictates what's appropriate for music in a certain given time. So, for instance, right now, I think that if you walked into a church and they were playing heavy metal for worship music, I don't think that most people would find that to be appropriate. Now, is that biblically inappropriate? No, it's culturally inappropriate. At least it is here in in my in my circles. Um, but I would say this is one of the reasons that I really enjoy the church that I attend. We sing hymns, and we sing currently we sing hymns a cappella, and I I find that to be the most retrospective from or you know like I am able to focus on the words the most at that point for me personally. Now somebody else is going to say no. I really like the modern Christian music or whatever. Okay, whatever. That's I mean that's up to people and. I remember, you know, I grew up in a real conservative uh, Lutheran tradition, and we had only organ. And the two ladies, elderly ladies, they were amazing. Or, I mean, the bass, and they had a great system, you know, boom. And so, and then everybody knew this four-part, had a great choir, four-part harmonies, right, on all the all the classic Lutheran right. hymnal, right? A mighty fortress is our God. And they were, they were good at like doing the crescendo where it would get loud at the end of the yep. chord and then pause and then boom, boom. Which to me, when I heard heavy metal later, it reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. The, the power of that rhythm and, and the bass, like, like serious. If you've heard a good organ player, who knows how to flip the tones and and use use volume and you know dynamics and and have a good system where you feel that bass in your body boo 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 but i remember i came from that and then i went for example to a uh, was it a nazarene or a or a oh uh what's the wesleyan uh methodist Methodist. I went to a United Methodist church they had a they had an organ and nice like a flute player and and but they had and to the same songs, but the hymnal had totally updated. Like they they made a more um, they added stuff and changed some of the words. I hated it. I was like, this is wrong. This is an abomination. Like you guys don't even know what you're missing. You know, I remember feeling that way. Like like how could you you took you took something that was sacred and you profaned it, right? right? And I'm not talking about heavy metal it's just it's still an organ flute classical guitar and maybe a violin but the arrangement and the change of the words oh it was like so unacceptable. I, 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 I feel like that about most modern christian music because it's like man you're supposed to be a musician make some good music i hate i literally hate modern christian music and it's not because of the words or the content or anything it's because <clears throat> it sucks and i don't like it now with that said I know a lot of people who genuinely like that stuff. Here in, in Washington State, at least in Tacoma, uh, 105.3, The Spirit, is the Christian network. I can listen to it for about a minute and a half. And that and that's it's nails on the chalkboard, right? And even if people are doing hymns, it's like you ruin this hymn with your horrible arrangement. What are you doing? Oh, not only that, words. Yeah. I remember yeah. I, I, did a, I actually wrote a paper once a long time ago. I, I went and I listened to... I took uh, the claims of like the basic principles of American evangelical uh, Christianity. And then I, I made, I used that as the standard to judge what the top, like the top 20 Christian songs of a certain year were. And right. I compare, I went through all the lyrics and compared those. And there was a total gap, total gap. Uh, and so anyway, that's just that the, the chat room is the, the chat room is talking about uh, time signatures. I've played math rock before. That is difficult, and it's fun, but the audience usually doesn't know what in the world's going on. 
And the reason why is because you're going from like some in very interesting and hard time signature or to you know, you're going you're in four four or two four and then you move to like eight twelve or something like that, and the audience is just like what is happening? And if the band is all together, it can actually sound pretty cool. But if the band is off, not good. Anyway, yeah, all of that. But is- a lot of those early hymns aren't really in a specific. Um, they could they they do change time signatures because they're not based on a four four or a three four pattern. Right. They're based on the phrases. And and if it's true that like Luther took, since we've, we're talking about Luther today apparently a mighty fortress is our God. Is that the one that was taken from a, there was a popular bar hymn, right? Or not him. Sorry. It wasn't a hymn. It was a, her, it was, a, no, no, dad. And so he just adapted a cultural, a culturally ingrained melody and just painted new words on it. And yeah, Luther boom. liked to drink too. I was looking at Luther quotes the other day. One of them was, Beer is from man, but wine is divine or something like wine is from God or something like that. Yeah. If you have not looked at Luther insults, it's so good. So I I got one story before we move on. I got one story before we move on. My wife took the kids. I forget what they were doing. They were picking something up from offer up or something. Anyway, they were down in another city down south about a a half an hour and they went to Panera Bread. And they walk into Panera Bread and it's lunchtime and it's a lot of you know, business folk, you know. It's, oh, yeah, it's lunch break, right? It's lunch them, break. Yeah. And everybody, she said, for some reason, Panera was oddly quiet. Everybody, no one was talking. Everybody was either on their computer or looking at papers and like highlighting. or It, it was just very odd. She said, and then here are your children singing holy, holy, holy at the top of their lungs at our table. <laughs> and everybody's looking at him like nice. totally insane. Anyway, so, okay. Um, let's move on and let's get to our main topic. Why don't we? Here we go. This from this plays into a lot of different things. This could probably be longer than a half an hour conversation, but we'll just roll with it. Sean Fisher in the chat room, by the way. Sean Fisher <laughs> writes in and he says, I was talking to a friend the other day and she said to me, that she's not sure what her purpose is in life concerning God. Okay. Shortly after the call, I did a YouTube search for a bunch of my favorite Christian channels. I'm going to guess Ligonier Ministries, uh, Desiring God, um, Grace uh, Grace to You. Let me know if I got any of them right. Okay. And I noticed that not one of these top channels talk about the purpose of a Christian life. After receiving faith in Jesus, is our purpose to simply live out life as saved individuals, or are we obligated, in a sense, to get the message of the gospel out? If we fail to do so, what is the cost? Was the Great Commission only to the apostles, or is it extended to all who follow Christ? I also think that many believers who come to Torah are often led to think that the rest of their lives is to simply keep rules in a book and that uh, this pleases God. Where are we going wrong? And how can we discover what we are actually proposed, uh, supposed to do? Now, the beginning of wisdom is in the chat room. And so the mention of Torah observance, I'm sure, is going to uh, trigger, but that's okay. What we're going to do is we're going to take this back to just sanctification of a believer in general. Okay? So those who come to a understanding of sanctification. And I know that uh, the beginning of wisdom is going to, because I know that he is a true brother in the Lord who uh, agrees with us on many, many things. But I think that he would agree with us also on the idea of sanctification, whether or not we are talking about exactly the same things in terms of the exact same commandments that might sanctify us. I think that the notion of being sanctified unto God after we come to Christ is something that believers do, right? We conform ourselves to what God wants us to be and who God wants us to be. And we see this even with Christ. And, uh, you know, if you love me, keep my commandments, so on and so forth. Okay, so now that we can all be under the same umbrella, let's talk about this. Do you want to go first or do you want me to? Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay, I will start. I'm an audience member right now. I will start then. Well, we already uh, talked about Ecclesiastes. Uh, the purpose when all, or the the goal when all is done, 
Am I saying that right? Uh, serve God and keep his commandments for this is the chief end of man. Um, I believe that this is ultimately the purpose of life. We are to glorify God. We are, are the purpose of our lives, whether no, no matter who you are, a human is created, I believe, is created to glorify God. That is the sole purpose and function of a of a human being is to glorify God. <clears throat> now, there are some human beings who choose to follow that path and uh, and attempt at all possible with all possibility to glorify God in everything that they do. And then there are those who reject that calling and they find their calling to be um, to be more pursuing the flesh, right? So those who don't believe want to um, want to uh, be wrapped up in things that have to do with money or wrapped up in things that have to do with sexual pleasure or wrapped up in things that have to do with drugs and alcohol, so on and so forth. Okay, all of that to say that the purpose of life for everyone is to actually glorify God. When we come to Christ, we realize that purpose and then we attempt to fulfill that purpose. Okay, so with all of that said, let's narrow in. The idea of the... Great Commission. Is it only for the apostles or is it for everyone? I'm going to argue here, and then I will pass this over to Rob. I'm going to argue here that the Great Commission is not something new that is given in the New Testament. Now, I'm this is not my own thought. This comes from Walter Kaiser. He did a little book called Mission in the Old Testament. And I just read this book for school. And I have to say, it's probably the worst thing that I've ever read from Kaiser. I did not like the book. I thought that the book, the book was 82 pages long. Um, and, uh, in those 82 pages, he tries to cram into 82 pages, what should have been hashed out in 400 pages. Um, a lot of the time he makes these passing comments. He tries to, anyway, the book wasn't good. That's all there is to it. And I know Dr. Kaiser, I respect Dr. Kaiser greatly. He has a lot of great things, but this is one of the misses. And I think that he should have actually, I think this should have been a, a full book, 400 pages, or a book series. He could have done two or three volumes so, on this. Caleb, you mean, you mean he didn't, he tried to cram five pounds of meat in a one-pound meat bag? Yeah, he, or, tried, to, he tried to cram or five. Or is it the content that you don't like? So, okay, so I it was think a topic worthy of more the topic was the topic was worthy of much more attention. And okay, he actually okay, okay. he'll actually make points that he never explains or hashes out. So he tries to say that in one place, he tries to argue that Balaam was actually being called to God. Because he's trying to show that Gentiles were called to God and he uses Balaam as mm -hmm. one of them. And I mean, the evidence that he gives is just, I mean, it should have been an entire chapter. He could have spent 82 pages on this showing us why he, he believes this. Okay. With all of that said, the underlying message of the book is, is fantastic. And he actually convinced me of his argument in about two pages. And so all the rest was kind of fluff, but it wasn't good fluff. That's my point. And not to down Dr. Kaiser, because actually the work that he's done in other areas is just fantastic. With all of that said, what is, he, what is the underlying message of his book? The underlying message of his book is Israel was given the, the Great Commission to take, to take the knowledge of Christ to the nations all the way back in the prophets. And let's go to the prophets and look. So in Isaiah 42, 6 through 7, he says, I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people a light to the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeons, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. The same kind of idea is given in Isaiah 49, 6. He says, he says, it is to light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Now, for those who might say, well, he was talking to Isaiah, this is actually used in Acts 13:47 to call to, to as the marching orders for Paul and his friends. It says, "For so the Lord has commanded us saying, I have and he quotes, I have made you a light to the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth." What is the light that's supposed to go out to the ends of the earth? Well, Yeshua tells us, Jesus tells us in John 8, 12, he says again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So I think that the great, Amen. yeah, I think that the great commission that is given, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. I believe that this is a reiteration. It is not a new command. It's not something new. What he's telling the disciples to do is founded on Isaiah and what Israel was supposed to do, but what they had dropped the ball in. Israel had not done what they were supposed to do in taking the light of the, the knowledge of the seed that would would uh, bless all the nations of the earth. They had not fulfilled their role to take this to the nations. And so I think that this is just a reiteration to the apostles. This is what you're supposed to be doing now. So with that said, I now I'll wrap all this up and I'll throw it over to you. I think that uh, once a person becomes a believer, I've used this analogy at my church numerous times. Actually, two weeks ago, I used it. So sorry for anyone who goes to my church who is listening to this again. But I've used this analogy before. How do you know when you're talking to a vegan or someone who does CrossFit? And the answer is they're talking because the vegan or the person who does CrossFit won't shut up about it. That's all they talk about. As soon as you meet a person for the first time, hi, what's you know, my name is Joe. Hi, Joe. Nice to meet you. What do you do, Joe? I'm a vegan. And I do CrossFit. I mean, this is kind of how the conversation goes, right? Why is that, though? It's because they're excited about it. It's what they do in life. As believers, every single believer, whether you think you are or not, you're in ministry. You're in ministry full time. You can be in ministry full time by working at McDonald's. You can be in ministry full time by being a CEO of a company. The point is, is that it is our goal and our duty to talk about what is in our heart and what drives us in life. And that is Christ. It is the Lord. It is our covenant relationship with God. And so no matter what you do in life, you have an obligation to study the word to come close to God in prayer and in Bible reading and to share that with the people around you. And if you haven't figured that out yet, and that's, I'm not saying that everyone has figured that out yet, but if you haven't figured that out yet, I would sit down and take some time to assess your life and figure out how God is using you in your life as a ministry and how you can change things to dial that up. Take this one to 11. All right, over to you. I I think you did such a good job on that first bit of what I, my brain goes to the Westminster catechism number one, right? It's a list of right list of uh, doctrinal truths, the bulk of which I'm on board with. Right. But the number one is what is the chief end of man? Like, and it's the same question that, that uh, we received from the listener is that, uh, that main question. And I think it's so awesome that I don't know how many hundred years ago they composed this, but that, that was the first, that was number one. That was the question that was worthy of, of the first question in, in the cat, in a catechism designed to help a new believer or even an older believer go through and and kind of consider all these gems from scripture. Okay, number one, what that's the question. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is two parts. Chief end of man is to glorify God. Caleb covered that really nicely. And to enjoy him forever. And so maybe I'll just talk about that one. And yep. and what that what does that mean to enjoy him forever? It means that as, and Caleb already brought up the covenantal framework that is the proper understanding of our walk with the Lord that and and the fact that we are redeemed by his act right by uh, by his act and we are beneficiaries of the covenant blessings as his children we are no longer children of darkness right we're no he we're we are new creations in in God's kingdom and because he's our father, he and he loves us individually, he's going to correct us and train us and guide us and provide for us all the things so that our life as we walk becomes more and more fruitful in terms of joy. Like I think in John 15, you know, you're going to be pruned so that you're going to have more joy. Right. I mean, the, the branches that don't aren't producing anything, they're going to be whacked off and thrown in the fire. But the fruitful branches, even those are going to be pruned and so that be more fruitful. And Yeshua says that your joy may be full. So this increase in joy. And this this also echoes back to Justin's 
voicemail about Sukkot because Sukkot is about a fullness of joy. And uh, that joy is, it could be, I like it in Peter where he talks about a husband and wife participate, they're heirs of the grace of life, right? And they're one and that there's, there's, a, there's a joy. There's a joy in, in just as an individual, you don't have to be married to have, have joy of the Lord. You could you know, be a single person and you're, you still walk with the Lord and, and he blesses us, right? He blesses us in ways that we know is from him. Right. We know that it's it's a joy that is from heaven. It's not a joy in oh I won the lottery or, you know I finally, you know I don't know whatever earthly kind of thing that someone might rejoice in. It's not that kind of joy. It's a it's it's a, a joy of of that uh, intimate knowledge of you are in covenant with the Creator, and we stand in the, back to Romans five. You know it's it's we. It's a relationship where we're standing in God's grace. We didn't earn our way into it. It's not like I had to go pass a couple tests in order to um, earn my way into God's good favor. So um, just on that second aspect of, of that first point of the Westminster Confession, or Catechism rather, that to enjoy him forever. And then that but, but it does add another aspect to, to the question because the question sounded like in this world, right? So I have a life as a post-regenerated new believer in this world, and then I'm going to die. The, the Westminster Catechism doesn't divide it like that. It's just from your regeneration on, right? It does This idea of physical death doesn't really it, it's a it's not a major uh, impediment to this relationship with the Lord. Um, and then other than that, just talking about that, is just the passages like I think it's in Colossians. I think Caleb, you've been in Colossians more recently than I have, but there's there's something in Colossians, maybe even in Ephesians about or uh, about doing everything unto the Lord, no matter right. what you do, and <clears throat> Whether, always singing, yeah. yeah, and always having a song or a it praise. I love the story that you, you, your wife shared about the kids at Panera Bread singing uh, a, a beautiful classic hymn. Right. Um, because that's that's the joy I'm talking about. Right. Right. Uh, and so anyway, that those are my thoughts on the matter. Good. So I want to bring in something different to this conversation. And it is something that I think. This is going to be the controversial part. Notice I do it at the very end. We got 10 minutes left. And I know that there are people who just do not like this, but that's okay. Um, I get a lot of pushback for this view, and you can hear this a little bit. Paul wrote, uh, uh, someone named Paul, not the Paul that's in the uh, chat room right now. Paul wrote. Paul, not Paul. Paul, Paul not, not Paul. Paul uh, wrote on, the, on, our, uh, on one of our videos. And this is a conversation, so I'm going to break down the conversation for you. And this is what he says. He says, so, not sure if over, the to- over time I have heard Caleb say, just go to a biblical church. Any biblical church? Question mark at the end of that. Any biblical church? Even if they don't believe slash teach Sabbath, clean food, or working on their chosen Sabbath. Now, I want to stop and say, I, I got an email from someone this last week who has been going to a Christian church uh, traditional Christian church loves it. And her and her husband absolutely love this church. They've been there for a really long time. And uh, they have recently been confronted by one of the pastors who uh, who wrote something against my father. And uh, basically, they're kind of being called out now. They've never tried to tell anybody, you need to do this or anything like that. They've just been a part of this church. And uh, now their leadership is kind of trying to maybe push them out because of their belief in Seventh-day Sabbath and, and so on and, so, and clean food. Stories like this to me are, are heartbreaking. And uh, I, hope that, I hope that they can resolve and be able to continue on in that community with those people. Anyway, with all of that, I say that just to say, I realize that not every time people are going to be able to get along um, with different beliefs. One of the things that I think happens in for those who believe that they should be keeping the Sabbath laws or the kosher laws or anything like that, 
what they tend to do is they become what we call Torah terrorists. They want to they want to convert everyone, and so they're most a, a lot of people who hold to those kind of views are not able to just sit in the pews on a Sunday and and uh, be a part of a community. They're not because they are always going to stir stir the pot. And so I don't think that that's necessarily our job is to stir the pot. Uh, rather, I think that we're supposed to be an example of of what we believe Christ wants us to live, how Christ wants us to live. Anyway, you got to you got to be ready that something like that can happen and right. it can and it'll, it'll hurt. Um, you know, in other places, if you might go to a church and they say, "Look, if you're going to attend this church, we we're going to funnel you towards membership, and you've got a certain classes you have to take." They might have closed communion. Right. Like, unless you're a member, you're, you know, and so there are, you know, there's legitimate, you know, issues that are going to come up depending on the where community. you're at. Right. So anyway, this person goes on. They say, how do you find community if your region, if in your region, it is dominated by one or two de- denominations? I could go and eat sugar with them and then go home and try to find my own meat. Or I could go to and constantly watch life co- coach in quotes, life coach seminars every weekend. Again, no meat, just great production, what to do. Now, I responded, and I asked, where is this person at? And this person said, I'm in Asheville, North Carolina. Now, to me, you're in the Bible Belt, and I find it difficult to say that here's what's going on, and and I truly believe this. If you're in in a place where there are legitimately, legitimately no Bible-believing Christians who have a community there, you know what that is? That's unreached. That means you are, you're, wherever you're living is unreached by the church. And you can call different churches and say, hey, I live in a place that's unreached. Save, send some people out. They'll send missionaries out to you and start a church. I mean, that's like you're in an unreached area. Or, or you are not, or that area has been reached and you're just not willing to call those people brothers and sisters. So what did I do? Well, I jumped on to Nine Marks. Uh, they have a church finder on Nine Marks. I plugged in Asheville, North Carolina. Twelve communities came up. Most of them were either Presbyterian or Baptist. I responded and said, I found you know X amount of communities. These are the top three that I would check out if I lived there. And um, you know, the, here's some. And these are the other ones I'd check out. I'd go to every single one of these and to try to find a community. Okay, so we went back and forth a little bit. This is what Paul Not Paul wrote back. And he said, I am still not sure I am fully grasping the concept. Am I to go to a church, even if it believes Sunday is the Sabbath, pork is fine, even desired here in the South, and Christmas and Easter are the only two festivals to to partake in? Are you saying community trumps all that? Okay, this is a great question, and this is what I've gotten a lot of pushback on. Here's my belief on this. First of all, and I wrote back with a number of questions. Uh, One of those questions was, do you think that these people are believers? In other words, are these people going to be in the kingdom or are they damned by God over these things? That's the first question. So the very first thing that I would try to establish if I was in that area is, do I have brothers and sisters in the Lord? Because if I have brothers and sisters in the Lord then interaction with them is something that I should strive for, whether or not we agree or not. If they are brothers and, the Lord, brothers and sisters in the Lord that are going to be in the kingdom, then I need to treat them like brothers and sisters in the Lord. That's number one. The number two question is, do we believe that community is commanded by God? Non-optional, commanded by God. If the answer is yes, and you have believers in your area, even if you disagree with them, then I would argue that you're now neglecting a command of God. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And that doesn't mean that, you know, there's there is reasons that we would separate from other believers. There is good, legitimate reasons to separate from other believers. But what this brought up to me is that, once again, our life is a ministry. We are supposed to shine forth the glory of Christ. Now, if we believe that there are believers in the area that don't agree with us or are off, theologically, God works on people. I came from a Christian church, and I think most people who believe in a seventh-day Sabbath and that they should keep the kosher laws came from a, a Christian church. That means God worked on us. I think one of the main problems that people in the Torah movement have 
no matter what branch of the Torah movement you are, number one is that you put a is that we put a low value on community. That's number one, and number two is that we think that community, and I'm saying we because I want I don't want to single anybody out, but we think that community is only for us. What can I get out of it? Oh, if I'm going to go there and they're not going to feed me the way I want them to feed me, I'm not going to go. And I don't think that this is the way that the Lord wants us to think about it. Now, with that said, am I going to go to a Christmas celebration with my kids? Absolutely not. I'm not. I'm going to skip certain events that the church is putting on if I have to. But ultimately, the point is, is that God might want you to go somewhere because he might want people in that church not to hear you debate the pastors, but he might want you to go there to show that you love people and that you want to serve Christ and that you're just going to do that by loving people. That's it. And you know what? People will see that and say, "There is, I see Christ in you. And people inevitably will start to ask you, maybe not about the Sabbath, maybe not about your kosher beliefs or whatever it is, but they're going to ask you about your relationship with Christ. And that's where you shine forth Christ. That's my belief. Now, I can already hear the, the emails getting typed up. That's totally fine. Send your emails in. I will have this conversation debate with anybody who wants to. But I believe that if we have brothers and sisters in the Lord, we should try to commune with them if we have I, no one it, else yeah, to Yeah, and with. I think at one other little point, if you're going, let's say you're just going to a church and you're meeting, you're just meeting people. I, I mean, at a very basic level, you're meeting other people in your area that are gathering in Yeshua's name or in Jesus' name, right? Before you even get into theology, I think the way the Ruach works is that you're you're probably going to connect with people, I, I, I would say, that the Lord wants you to meet. Right. And they, because they, just as you're required to love them, they're required to love you. That means you, it's, it's a two-way street. And if they're, if, if someone's going to get caught up on the fact that you keep the Shabbat or you're not going to eat the ham sandwiches that they're serving, that's really their problem. That doesn't have to affect your desire to love them, right? That's, that's an issue. If they start trying to coerce you and, and stuff like that, right. it might hurt. That might really suck. But then you're going to have to go and pray and seek to stay connected and and, you know, and if it's going to be like the one story we heard, ultimately you're going to say, sorry, the pastor steps in or whatever and says, you're not allowed to come here. That might be your problem, man. Well, that's if, on if, them, if though. You, no, I know. But what I mean is if you go to if you go to several churches and they've all asked you to leave, you need to look in the mirror because that's you probably right. you're uh, I'm saying it could happen. But I, I think. You, we got to trust the Ruach. We got to trust that God is, he, God doesn't care about the building. God doesn't care about the denomination name. I had a guy called he, What yeah. God, what he's doing is working on, on the, the network of believers so they can love each other and be in community and, and not be alone. We're, we're, that's the opposite of this is our, does God want us to be alone? No. So I had a guy call me recently, and I, I love this brother in the Lord. He he's he's just been beat up a lot uh, through life and and whatnot. But he got into a place. Uh, he he moved to a place, and he said, I, "There's no community around me, and it's a big city." He said, "I just can't get along. I just can't sit in a pew and listen to a pastor." Oh. And and I said, and I said, "Well, it sounds to me like." The problem is not the pastors. The problem is you. And that was hard for this for this gentleman to hear. But the point is, is if you exactly what you said, if you if you can't stay in in, uh, you know, if you can't stay in it's a community, a famous, yeah. if you can't stay in community, you go to three or four different communities and they keep asking you to leave. Guess what? That's uh, that's not the community's fault. At this point, no, you need this to look is, at this. This is the this is the 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 PG version is uh, or um, the G ver- is if you wake up in the morning and you, and you yes. go out and you meet a jerk, yeah, then that's a jerk. But if at the end of the day all you've met is jerks, you're, you're the, the jerk. jerk. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a good. It's a different word, but it, yeah, yeah. I, I completely agree with you. The The point is is that uh, God might be sending you to communities to make you realize that 
you're the one who needs to be worked on. You think that you have it all figured out because you're a Saturday Sabbatarian or whatever. Look in the mirror. There's other things. That and you can need. be you can be forthright and go meet the pastors, especially. Hey, I'm I'm new to this community. Uh, what I like about you know I'm here. I want to learn about the doctrines of grace. Um, and uh, I'm, I want to hear some. You know, I'm here to preach the Bible exegetically. You know, gone through exegetically, etc. Um, and just so you know, you know, uh, I'm oriented towards the seventh day Sabbath and that I, I'm not going to be broadcasting that to people, but I just feel like I want to let you know up front because it, and, and every situation is unique, but it could be if, it, if a year or two goes by and you've been there and all of a sudden they discover this, right. That could also be like, well, you, you weren't really honest with us. And right. so now you prevented real relationship from ever really happening. And now we're like, yeah, you every know. situation is its own situation. There's yeah, no exactly. doubt about that. All right. It's been a good conversation, but uh, it's time for us to go until next week. And next week, I'm sure we'll have something else to talk about. Um, but yeah, give us a call. The conversation 253 3205 uh, Shoot us an email. See, hey, GatorResource.com. And so maybe we'll try to connect Paul, not Paul, with uh, these people. And, I love it. Yeah. And don't Paul forget to Paul. don't forget to subscribe, please. We need you to subscribe if you're not subscribed. And if you are subscribed, please like this video. It helps us. I know it sounds weird, but it actually does help us. We hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. 